HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by 100 Bogart Street, a co-working and event space in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Learn more at 100bogart.com. Welcome to Meet and 3, Heritage Radio Network's weekly food news roundup. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler. And I'm Kat Johnson. And today is the season finale of Meet and 3. We're taking a close look at one of the biggest food scandals of 2018, the abrupt closing of Pilot Works, a food incubator and kitchen facility for emerging food and beverage brands. This story is a roller coaster, so buckle up. Pilot Works, which was originally called Food Works, opened to great fanfare in 2016, and at their peak, they had incubators across the country in Brooklyn, Chicago, Dallas, Newark, Providence, and Portland, Maine. This is the story of a major national food tech company that turned the lives of over 500 people upside down. You know, I don't like to ruin people's reputations, but I really hope they don't get to do it again. To me, it felt like Enron all over again, but in the food world. Yeah. That's what it felt. A year ago, Pilotworks raised $13 million in a round of Series A financing from, among others, Techstars Ventures and Acre Venture Partners, which is Campbell Soup's venture capital fund. At the time, one investor praised PilotWorks co-founders Mike D. and Nick Devane for their leadership and work ethic, saying they are, quote, maniacally focused on their customers' experience and are obsessed with solving a big problem, helping food entrepreneurs. Sadly, things didn't go according to plan. They brought in a new CEO, Zach Ware, in June of 2018, and by October, PilotWorks in Brooklyn shuttered. And we're focusing on the pilot works here in Brooklyn, where we're also based. This closure jeopardized the livelihood of over 175 businesses. The backers of pilot works included investors affiliated with Seamless, Sweetgreen, Thrive Market, and Blue Hill. So they had a really strong financial start from the beginning. But the investors aren't necessarily involved with the day-to-day operations of the business. So this story really hit close to home because the first pilot works in the country opened not far from our studio in the old Pfizer building, which is located at the border of Bushwick and Bed-Stuy. PilotWorks members have been guests on our show and embody the spirit of what we believe here at HRN, that food is the easiest and best way to build community. We decided to devote this whole episode to the crisis. What happened to the entrepreneurs who were affected by the shutdown? Did their businesses survive? How did the community mobilize? And what does this cautionary tale mean for the future of food entrepreneurship? Chapter 1. Prologue. 
So to start things off, let's give you some more background information about Pilotworks. What is it? How does it work? So if you're a small food business trying to get off the ground in Brooklyn, for example, you would go to Pilotworks because it was a place where you could rent kitchen space on demand. You would pay a small amount every month and you would have access to using kitchen space when you needed it. There were other benefits to being a member of Pilotworks as well. One of the biggest ones included instant built-in mentorship opportunities and having community with fellow entrepreneurs. And the diversity of the members of Pilotworks was a huge asset. Pilotworks stated that more than 70% of the businesses in their kitchen were women and minority-owned or operated. Pilotworks provided opportunities to people living in public housing through the Food Business Pathways program. One chef that used this program is named Chef Rootsy. She's the founder of a vegan catering and restaurant consulting company called Veggie Grub. Her business literally could not have thrived without this program because it paid for her first six months at the Pilotworks kitchen in Brooklyn. It was definitely an experience that I knew that I needed to take my business to the next level. It has a, a special place in my heart for me because my business went from just making a mere few hundred dollars a week at the level that I was doing it at to making thousands of dollars a week once I entered Pilotworks. We'll hear more from Chef Rootsy later in the show, but first... We wanted to know if anyone had any inkling that there was trouble ahead. Most people we interviewed didn't necessarily see a shutdown coming. This is Jay Solly of Brooklyn Quality Eats. Now, this one, unfortunately, is a total surprise. We trusted some of the best food sort of leaders in the industry to shepherd this incubator through. The very few red flags mentioned were subtle and I think that when you talk to some of the entrepreneurs who have had a lifetime in restaurants, we were all hyper aware that we were a startup within a startup. One of the things that we noticed is when it expanded super rapidly, some of the details that were being sort of perfected at the Brooklyn location, the original location, some of those started to kind of fall by the wayside. And we also did notice that some of the staff was feeling perhaps less motivated to do a great job. And these are people who do a fantastic job, right? So when you start seeing that demotivation amongst the employees, you do, you, you, you are well aware that that is probably significant or that's probably indicative of a bigger problem. April Wachtel is the CEO of Swig & Swallow, which makes fresh cocktail mixers sold through Whole Foods markets, among other retailers. Swig & Swallow had been operating out of the Brooklyn Pilot Works, but were beginning to expand to other manufacturing facilities. And that's kind of the goal of Pilotworks as well, is it's an incubator. It's also meant as a place where people can ramp up their business, grow their business, and then eventually move out to a larger production facility. So in the early days of my time with the company, it was exciting. This is Andrea Carbine, a former Pilotworks employee based in their Chicago office. By the time we launched the first week of May, um, the company had changed drastically. Um, the CEO, Nick, had stepped aside. We started cutting back programming. There was a lot of just time and focus on sort of the real estate and, and how things were structured and how they were going to sort of focus on the markets. Um, and there just wasn't an emphasis on the makers or advocating for them or sort of focusing on them at all, quite honestly. You know, it had been communicated to me by the gal who became my superior that, you know, my background in food was sort of seen as a liability. Usman Bahadi was the director of facilities for Pilotworks across the nation and managed day-to-day -day operations and budgetary requests from his office in Brooklyn. Yeah, I felt that the fact that I didn't know about food, it mattered less and less for sure. 
we were less thinking about food experience and more about who knows marketing. How do you market? We were looking for like market managers, basically, uh, and not really like GMs who can run a space. We blew through a lot of money in the like the five six months before I got there, and I think it's because we were trying to be innovative and on the cutting edge, but we were you know not making enough in the beginning to to be cutting edge right away. I think if Brooklyn still was open today, it would still be making a ton of money. Something like Pilotworks definitely can succeed and definitely should happen again. The the part of it that 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 hurts the most is we were riding the ship. We were finally making preventative maintenance budgets and and doing service plans and our our new CFO who had just come in was was turning it around very quickly. Chapter 2. The Day of. So now let's talk about October 13th, 2018. I get a call in the morning, 9 a.m., just waking up, and uh, I missed the call, and my boss was just like, hey, give me a call, please. It's important. I'm like, what's going on? Is the kitchen blowing up or something? I don't even know. Uh, So I call back, and uh, uh, Zach Ware is on the phone with my boss, and uh, he says, you know, hey, uh, we tried to close funding, and, um, you know, we were unable to, and because of that effective 5 p.m. today, we can no longer support employees, meaning we would, we have to fire everyone, uh, including you. <laughs> and uh, in addition to that, um, you know, we're closing up shop in all cities. Pilotworks emailed its members telling them that they would not be able to return to their workspaces. These businesses were given two days notice on a Saturday night that Pilotworks was shuttering its Brooklyn and Newark locations. The email said that the displaced businesses would be able to pick up their supplies and equipment on a set date. I actually reread the email two or three times before it sunk in that it was not a joke, and they were actually doing this to us. This is Hala Kahadi, the founder and president of JPO Concepts, a catering business that also makes high-quality frozen entrees. Then there was a moment of anger and maybe a couple hours later, some panic, which eventually turned into pure hustle so me and my team could figure out what we do next. I think we went through the entire range of emotions, uh, but the initial reaction was basically, this has to be some kind of bizarre practical joke. This is Elich Ramirez of Ludwig Coffee. Monday, um, uh, follow-up email said, you know, come and pick up your stuff, you know, whatever is there and see what you can do with, uh, I don't know, uh, 200 pounds of uh, ice cream or uh, 20 pounds of meat. Where are you going to store that? Uh, <laughs> what, what is the uh, health department going to allow or not allow, you know, to be stored in your house? Uh, and don't let your landlord know about that either. <laughs> this is Jay Solly of Brooklyn Quality Eats. Security was rallied up to the fourth floor and to the second floor where the commercial kitchens were. And they were, you know, coming in really heavy. You have to leave right now. And if you don't, you, you know, we will be calling law enforcement on you. You will have the police come. So folks left stuff on the burners, in effect. They turned, you know, the gas got cut off. But, you know, the photos we were able to see as we moved things out of storage show very clearly, you know, uh, cookware, prepware, crates of peaches rotting on a counter. It was abrupt, to say the least, and, and heavy-handed, too. The statement that Pilotworks gave to media outlets read, It is with a heavy heart that after failing to raise the necessary capital to continue operations, 
Pilotworks will cease operations on October 13, 2018. We realize the shock of this news and the disruption it causes for the independent food community we were so honored to serve. This is a sad outcome for Pilotworks, the makers in our kitchens, and independent food in general. We wish there was another option to continue operating. Sadly, there was not. So, Katie, do you remember how you found out the news that Pilotworks had shuttered and, and left everyone in the, in the lurch? Yeah, so I was walking to work on Monday morning, and I had been offline for the weekend, and I was looking at Facebook, and I saw in a private uh, food entrepreneurship Facebook group that I'm part of uh, that there had been an emergency meeting called for former Pilotworks members to figure out what they were going to do uh, because everyone was absolutely left in the lurch and they didn't know when they would be able to have access to their facility. Many people were in the middle of production when this happened and it was right before the holiday season. So people I spoke to at that meeting had had to walk away from griddles full of raw chicken uh, that they were in the middle of cooking. I mean, there were catering companies in this facility that had orders to fulfill and manufacturing that was in progress on Saturday afternoon when the news came in. Um, and they were instructed to leave everything where it lay and vacate the building. So after the first week or so of a lot of media coverage of Pilot Works, what was happening to a few of the individual vendors and makers, we knew that that eventually the press would go away, attention would cease, and we took it upon ourselves to really continue following these stories. We wanted to see what would happen with these businesses over three, four weeks into the holiday season. So when we come back, we're going to hear more from these food entrepreneurs and see what the triage phase of saving their businesses look like throughout the holiday season. One Hundred Bogart has made much progress over the past year since their grand opening. They are a growing community of professional freelancers, entrepreneurs, and startups. Their dedicated team guarantees you receive a productive and worry-free work environment. 100 Bogart is currently filling up their two-person to 12-person private offices. The spacious pop-up gallery, premier rooftop, and brand new full floor with terrace are available for your next event. Podcast rooms, conference rooms, and meeting spaces are also available for booking. 100 Bogart hosts events like art exhibitions, pop-up stores, product launches, and fashion shows. Heritage Radio Network is a proud member of the 100 Bogart community and often holds events in the building. Visit 100bogart.com to schedule a tour and learn more. Chapter 3, Triage. Welcome back to this special episode of Meet in 3, where we are taking a deep dive into the world of pilot works and what happened when this nationwide company shut down, leaving hundreds of food businesses stranded during the holiday season of 2018. So when we left off, we talked about what happened on October 13th, 2018, when the Brooklyn location of pilot works shuttered, surprising many food businesses that are based here in Brooklyn. As we mentioned... There was a lot of press coverage right when it was happening, but we knew that eventually this would not be a story that was making headlines, and we wanted to follow and see what happened to the 175 businesses that were displaced. So now we're going to look at the triage phase each one of them had to face. Communication was key once the Pilotworks news broke. 
Pilotworks themselves went completely incommunicado with the media and with their members. And what was so amazing to see in the days following the announcement was how quickly the community mobilized to support each other and to connect and figure out what the next steps were going to be. One organization that went above and beyond to support people that were displaced was Hot Bread Kitchen. They stepped in almost as soon as Pilotworks sent out its We're Closing email. Through its business incubator program, Hot Bread Kitchen Incubates, they set up a hotline for displaced businesses seeking information and potentially a new space to work from, either with Hot Bread Kitchen or one of its partner organizations like the Bronx Cook Space or the Hudson Kitchen. They were essentially told that they would have to stop production immediately and that Pilotworks was closing operations and that they would be given a time when they could come and retrieve their belongings. But it essentially threw over 100 businesses into disarray. And so it, 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 we felt it was our responsibility to, uh, to, to try to help out in any way that we can. What this really shows about the Pilotworks community and the Brooklyn maker community and food entrepreneurship space in general is how supportive of each other the businesses have been throughout the whole process. They've been very open with sharing information and sharing their plans, and they've been super collaborative between each other and many of the other food incubators that they've reached out to for space. So far, 90 businesses have reached out to Hot Bread Kitchen via their hotline, and 80 of those did so within the first 48 hours of Pilotworks closure, according to Kobla Asumwa, the program director for HBK Incubates. I am hugely grateful to my team who worked on nights and weekends to get the paperwork done, to get the equipment moved, to notify clients, uh, and to reroute all of our deliveries. It was just a huge undertaking for all parties involved. Another very encouraging thing was seeing how local government responded. City Council member Robert Carnegie and the Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams were very quick to respond with outrage on behalf of the small businesses that they represent. I was surprised to see how quickly the city government stepped up in support of these food businesses. In fact, at the first meeting that I was at the Monday that the closure was announced, there were two representatives from the New York City Economic Development Corporation in attendance. And they were completely willing to have dialogue with the former Pilotworks members and trying to be very helpful in figuring out next steps. In the days and weeks following the shutdown, former members were scrambling to figure out their next steps. Some had already had to seize operations. Others had found interim accommodations and still more were in limbo. But they were all justifiably angry and upset. The uh, damage that it caused... Uh, to to the reputation to the uh, the reputation of the uh, actual brand, uh, it's uh, it, you, c- you cannot measure it. People that I uh, that I was doing business with, uh, established accounts, uh, will not do business with me anymore just because you know I look like a like a fool. For example, I I basically spent all my um, uh, savings, uh, my life savings, uh, into starting this business and. Uh, I think I don't owe I don't owe money to anybody, but now what do I find myself with? You know, I I can't produce any more product, I can't sustain myself. I gotta basically go out and look for uh, a job, you know, so I can feed myself and my family. Um, I cannot even think about uh, spending a penny and trying to revive this business. Uh, and if I do, it will be way down the line when I have you know some spare time and I can actually uh, do it on the side. But it, it won't be. Uh, Uh, as involved as I was when it was the only source of income that I had. I need to be a business person that is more in charge of my destiny. 
And so this whole pilot works debacle has taught me that. Chapter four, legal action. So what do people do when they feel wronged? They take it to court. But as many people working in pilot works found out, that's not always so easy. Within a week of the shutdown, some of the companies that were former members of PilotWorks decided to fight back legally, but others were reluctant to seek legal counsel because either they couldn't afford it or they were disheartened by the loss to their businesses already or they didn't have the required paperwork handy. This is Elich Ramirez of Ludwig Coffee. I just don't see the benefits of, um, you know, uh, investing money into a lawyer. The only ones that make money is, are the lawyers, you know, and it's, it's, it's uh, almost uh, predatory. You know, what I've seen, you know, uh, in the uh, meetings and uh, and the way, you know, uh, some, you know, have come out, you know, offering short term, uh, um, you know, loans, you know, with insane rates. It's um, you, you, you get a feeling, you know, that you, you, you were thrown into a uh, shark tank and everybody's coming in to uh, get their own, you know, uh, one pound of flesh. But ultimately, eight of the businesses who had the necessary administrative paperwork formed a coalition, and sued PilotWorks for an illegal lockout in a commercial landlord-tenant court. On October 31st, 2018, a judge ruled in favor of the coalition. This is Jay Solly of Brooklyn Quality Eats. And because they denied us enjoyment of that space, it was easy for us to prevail on not just the merits, but in this case, PilotWorks had already begun its liquidation process, and... Uh, they didn't respond. So they, by default, we won. But, you know, even on the merits, it was fairly clear. No notice was given to these vendors. And it was done in a manner that was egregious and found to be, you know, it was an illegal lockout. From that illegal lockout, we were granted a court order that said our eight could go back into that space and that you know, water and electric and gas had to be restored. All services had to be restored. The eight businesses immediately returned to the Pilot Works kitchen, and they were horrified by what they found. Actually, when we went in there on Halloween, um, the, like he said, it there was, was definitely a, a deep <laughs> it was cleaning ghastly. needed. This is Jay's business partner, Barbara Pendulian, who goes by Chef B. Unfortunately, they shut it so quickly that there was still spoiled food in the garbage. Um, there was still... Crates of peaches um, rotting on the counters. Yes, and, there was and, yogurt that was thrown out, and it was it just was never thrown away. Um, there was a little bit of a fly issue, and apparently there was um, a leak or a, a pipe burst <laughs> in in the fourth floor, which all leaked all the way down, and they managed to clean that up, but, but you could see some of the water uh, still there. It was a awful scene, um, knowing that, you know, when you cook there on a regular basis, and it was a beautiful space, to see it just disintegrate now, it was just, it was just saddening. Jay and the rest of the plaintiffs expect to hear about damages from the illegal lockout suit in a hearing scheduled for January 8th, 2019, at 2.30 p.m. Now it's time for the, the city of New York's courts to protect small businesses. So, you know, we had some folks, I'll give you a prime example, someone lost $5,000 in a catering job. Well, under New York law, going the legal route, lawyering up the way we did, that person would be entitled as a cited loss of production, a loss of business, for 15000 in damages. Bottom line is that they took people's rents nationwide operating fees, whatever you want to call it. They collected rent on the first of the month. On the 12th of the month, they said, get out, denying you any enjoyment. So obviously for these small businesses, recovering damages is a really important part of why they're fighting this legal battle. However, 
it's clear from what Jay is saying that the lack of honesty is really what's bothering most of them. And that a big part of this story is getting it out there, putting it in front of a court, having a ruling on it to prevent this from happening to other businesses in the future. Chapter five, what's next? So far, what we've learned from the story is that we often take for granted the stability of incubator spaces. Pilotworks' abrupt shutdown really underscored the vulnerability of food businesses that rely on this type of space and the liability that a dependence on these resources can represent. I actually feel some empathy towards Pilotworks uh, that the business didn't succeed. It was a great model and they had some really great team members as well. But despite that, the way they went about this was unbelievably wrong. It was unprofessional and unethical, and the situation they put hundreds of tenants in cannot be repaired. Like I said earlier, a lot of these tenants, uh, including ourselves, may or may not even have a source of recourse. Some of them didn't have anywhere to go, uh, nor did they have the funds to replace or move the product. I'm really disgusted by their choices. I don't think anyone goes out of business overnight. They clearly had the foresight this was coming, but made a decision not to share it with their tenants. You know, there, there, there may be silver linings for some of this. Folks are identifying spaces that they would not have otherwise um, found if, if, if not for this event. But I don't want to suggest that it's not been a challenge for these small businesses. Um, and we continue to work to support them, we at Hot Bread Kitchen, but also, you know, my colleagues at kitchen spaces around the city and programs around the city. I just want to put out that the EDC has been working with us nicely for long term. They said even if this pilot workspace does not work out for BQE, they're offering us um, a kiosk space or so that we can build a commercial kitchen in one of the markets, which is nice. So now we're looking forward. What will happen to the pilot workspace? It was acquired by a food research lab from Boston called Chew. They announced they would drop the name Pilot Works and call it Nursery. Chew is headed up by Australian chef Adam Malonis, who refers to himself as a Willy Wonka figure. With plans to open as soon as the permit's clear, all previous Pilot Works members were invited back. By mid-December, conversations between former members and Chef Adam hosted at the Moore Street Market yielded close to 25 businesses who said their interest in returning to the space was a firm yes. At the end of the day, this truly is a story about people. We've been following businesses displaced from Pilotworks as they try to find a new home and figure out how they're going to make it through the holiday season, but we're really interested in how the shutdown affects the people behind the businesses. So with that being said, we want to give you some updates on where our new friends have landed. My father's father uh, grew coffee. Uh, we still have our own you know, coffee plantation. Uh, his father and my grandfather's grew coffee. My family has been doing it for 150 years. And this was basically my uh, little offshoot. But for me, it's not an option right now. It's definitely uh, game over. The more we are working on hot bread, the more that we are going attached to the space, uh, attached to the people. Um, you know, it's a, they've really done something amazing there and, and formed a great community around their uh, entrepreneurs or the food entrepreneurs. As much as I wanted, to, as much as I wanted to go around PilotWorks, you know, rah, 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 you know, just be miserable and be like, I'm never doing food again, and I'm, this is over. I and PilotWorks ruined my life. I said, no way, this is no way. You know, I had to turn it around because I need, I need to do what I'm doing. I think that I am ready for that type of step to go on Shark Tank. I want to have a chain of vegan restaurants across the country. 
right at a time when everything seems like it's about to fall apart. I cannot wait to tell the world when I become famous and rich. My rags to riches success story because I think it just makes so much more interesting read. Update. December 20th, 2018. If we've learned anything in following this story, it's that curveballs are the norm. On Tuesday evening, three days before this episode's air date, Meet and 3 reporter Nina Medvinskaya received a forwarded email that was sent to former Pilotworks producers. It was from Nursery CEO and founder Adam Malonis. The subject line? Unfortunate news. It read, quote, There is no easy way to say it. Our plans to open nursery at the former Pilotworks Brooklyn site will unfortunately not be moving forward. During pre-inspections, we discovered some conditions that we do not believe match the extremely high standards by which our company is known to operate. After a few brief weeks of hope that their businesses would be able to begin production once again, the producers were once again left without space. We spoke with Jay Solly on Wednesday, the day after he received the news. I am crestfallen. It's the, the next day, like we just found out yesterday. I was on the phone literally the moment it dropped. I was on the phone from 5 o'clock till about 10 p.m. with dozens of people just for five hours straight. Many of us were waiting with bated breath. Do I go in next week and start producing? Jay told us that the halt in Chu's plans to open the nursery is due to problems with the building's HVAC system and a rotted floor below a walk-in cooler. These are significant enough infrastructure challenges that it sounds like New York City Department of Health was not going to be able to move forward on compliance in a timely manner and not without significant costs. Um, What those costs would have been and should Chef Adam and Nursery absorb them? I mean, these are private business decisions that I think ultimately he probably made the right call. With all respect to the tech bros, they really didn't understand it. And they didn't have enough of the sort of kitchen manager level staff to tell them, no, we really need this, or no, you don't need to be spending uh, money on that particular piece of equipment. There was no demand for it. And it's those disconnects that are consistent with sort of the, the missteps Pilotworks has, had made over the, over the time. And it goes back to kind of the larger importance of why we need independent food, why we need independent makers, why, need, why we need to have food access advocates in the conversation. And where does this leave the makers we've been following in this story? We're back to square one, all of us. We don't know. It's been 65 days since the abrupt closure. None of us know where we're going to go. And in many ways, uh, while Brooklyn Quality Eats is looking and exploring ways to survive, uh, I'm hearing from a lot of our friends and coalition partners that they're just unable to continue on. I don't know the exact number that'll happen, but what we do see is I think that this has resulted in Let's say, you know, 30, 40, 50 businesses reevaluating whether or not they can even operate. There's a ripple effect within the Brooklyn community. It's not just business owners who are left in the cold, but a whole web of collaborators. Most of the businesses have had to uh, lay off or furlough their employees. And, you know, we're not talking like large scale layoffs, but collectively, we're looking at potentially losses. About a thousand people no longer have their gig. But they aren't giving up. 
we're still together at this coalition of businesses. We're still looking for vial, you know, unique ways to get our products to market. Many of us are still doing pop-up markets and festivals. You know, the caterers are, they have their own arrangements, private client arrangements. But where do we go from here? Jay and some of the other makers have plans for the future that they hope can solve some of the problems that led to where we are now. You know, we filed the paperwork, we've, we've gotten the lawyers ready, and we are going to complete a, a nonprofit creation. A 501c3 will be established, I would say, early 2019. I don't know what it's formally called, but right now it's looking like the Brooklyn Independent Food Coalition, Brooklyn Independent Food. Clearly, the pilot work story is not over. We'll be following these makers as they head into the new year, filled with uncertainty. The Meet and Three team spent months reporting this story and spoke to dozens of people involved with PilotWorks. We tried repeatedly through many avenues to contact someone in a leadership role at PilotWorks, but were unsuccessful in reaching them for comment. If you'd like to keep up with the latest news affecting the Brooklyn food community that was displaced by the PilotWorks shutter, check out episode 158 of Tech Bites with Jin Liutzi. You can also read Farm Report host Lisa Held's reporting in Edible Brooklyn. This is our final episode of Meet and 3 Season 2. We'll be back in 2019 with more food stories. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to be the first to know when Season 3 drops. Meet and 3 is produced by Liza Hamm, Hannah Forden, Kat Johnson, and me, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Meet and 3 wouldn't be possible without our phenomenal all-star team of interns who contribute field recording, studio interviews, story development, scripting, and editing. You heard how amazing and independent they are on their self-produced episode of Meet and 3 about danger. We are so grateful to Dylan Hoyer, Ariama Long, Nina Medvinskaya, Kevin Wheeler, and our engineering intern, Amanda Wang. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council.